Hello, and welcome to the Talented Amateurs Podcast. My name is Joe Randolph, your host, and today we have Charles Hunt, founder of the Audacity Firm. Charles was a resilience expert, adjunct professor, and motivational speaker, and through the Audacity Firm, he provides services in coaching, training, as well as life-impacting speaking engagements, both in-person and virtual. Charles is a well-sought-out and accomplished speaker, and his TEDx, What Trauma Has Taught Me About Resilience, has been one of the highly rated TED Talks. So let's get started. Charles, how are you doing today? And welcome to the podcast. My man, appreciate you having me. I'm doing well today. Great. Glad to have you on. Um, you know, we've, we've known each other for, for a while now. And, you know, if I, as I've seen just your growth and just your maturation across your career, I, I really have uh, admired just your not a, you know resilience and just your, your ability just to step out on faith. Because I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. And I think... Uh, people need to hear your story, continue to hear your story. And I think you can really help people continue to think about how they need to challenge themselves. I call it disrupt their life and make these decisions that will help them propel to the next level, but on, but not only professionally, but personally as well. So really uh, looking forward to having this discussion with you today. As we get started, maybe let's just kick off with uh, who is Charles? Just give us a just a quick snapshot of who you are, where you're from, and, and what kind of molded you into you who you are today? Yeah, so, you know, I'm a, a resilience expert, a speaker, trainer, investor, um, and, uh, you know, several other hats. Um, those are probably the, uh, the most uh, significant ones. Um, I'm an Oakland boy, born and raised, uh, spent, and really West Coast, uh, the vast majority of my life. Born and raised in, uh, like I said, Oakland, California, um, and uh, did a stop up in Portland, Oregon for about a decade, uh, a little over a decade, actually, before relocating here to uh, to the South, uh, where I've been for the past, what, nine years or so. Uh, but, you know, Oakland is, you know, always uh, in my heart, um, so, you know, a big part of, uh, of who I am and uh, would help to shape me and some of the experiences that, that, that I had to go through, some of the adversities uh, that I had to overcome. Very good. And uh, me being in Reno, man, I love Oakland. I, I try to get over to the Bay as much as I can. And, you know, sure. I, I, I really um, started to get a liking to the area um, and really appreciate just the culture of Oakland, man. A lot of people don't understand the history over in Oakland as well. So um, I even kind of became a little Very bit of very rich in culture, very rich. And uh, I even became a little bit of a Golden State fan, which is coincidentally, you know, I get all the games. So I, I That's because really you know quality basketball. That's because you know quality. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you you obviously you had a, a well-accomplished career in corporate. But what I want to really talk talk about is this transition into entrepreneurship and to speaking, coaching and training. Talk to us about what sparked this transition and when did you know it was time to make this shift? Yeah. So um, let me probably back it up just a smidge. So, you know, my undergraduate degree um, came from Cal State Hayward, uh, put myself through undergrad, worked full time, went to school full time. Um, and um, a business degree uh, with two emphasis, purchasing and materials management and doing small business ventures. Um, I used that degree to uh, leverage a role with a small little technology outfit called Intel Corporation. Um, so they relocated me up to, uh, to Portland, Oregon, uh, just outside of Portland. Uh, thought that I might be there for a year, maybe two years, ended up being there for almost 12. Um, but um, in the course of, 
uh, me, you know, doing that career, starting a supply chain and logistics. Um, and then I navigated over into HR, uh, specifically in talent management, college recruiting. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, you know, one of the uh, interesting things that I uh, kind of had a, a bit of an epiphany on was I had built my entire life up to that point around being comfortable and having the security that I didn't have as a child. So, um, and I looked around a little bit and was like, huh, I, I think I've kind of accomplished that, right? I wasn't rich by any stretch, but I wasn't, it, it wasn't the projects uh, that I grew up in. It wasn't the welfare that I grew up in. It wasn't the struggle and strife um, that I grew up in. And so, you know, I had, you know, some money in my pocket and in the, in the bank account. Um, and that was really my only goal. Like, you know, as I became an adult, um, you know, I never had aspirations to be a CEO. You know, I wasn't trying to lead a division or, you know, any of that stuff. Like I had escaped some real life traumas and I simply wanted to have a comfortable, peaceful existence. Like truly that was my goal. And like I said, you know, probably my early thirties, you know, I looked around and was like, you know, I kind of gotten there. So what next? I don't know what's next, right? So I just kind of, you know, muddled along with my career. I ended up getting a master's degree, um, a master of science in financial analysis. Um, and, um, you know, I just kind of, you know, the money was good and what I was making, I ended up leveraging that, uh, the role with Intel to take another role here um, in North Carolina. And, um, you know, again, I'm still, ha I'm making good money, but I'm having this, this tinge that there's something more, there's something greater than I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't quite know what that is. Um, and the spark really kind of came when I lost the job. So six figure job that I had all of a sudden like that is gone. Um, and that kind of got the juices flowing around, you know, Hey, I think that, you know, I have a message and something that, you know, some things that I've been through, a perspective on looking at things that might be helpful to people. Um, you know, I, I think you might have something there that you might be able to kind of craft your own lane. Um, so I kind of kicked that around a little bit, um, ended up getting another job. Um, and, you know, money was great. Um, and so I still had this, you know, burning, you know, bush over here saying, hey, there's some things you need to do, but I got this money. It's real good over here in this corporate hustle. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, I'll build out a parallel track. So I'll do the corporate thing, and then I'll try to build out, you know, my speaking path for what happened. Well, six months later, ended up losing that job too. Reorg uh, in the organization, new leadership came in, and I got kind of the short end of the stick. So, and that was really the final straw. I was like, you know what? fuck this corporate stuff. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like um, this is where I am supposed to be. I feel like I'm purposed to be doing something else anyway. And, you know, really it feels like, you know, this is God just closing the door and saying, look, you know, you can go over here. You can keep trying these paths that, you know, that you want to try. Um, but, you know, you're going to keep running into these different obstacles and opposition. Or you can try this other path that, you know, I'm trying to lay out for you. And yes, it's scary. Yes, it's new, but I think it's going to have some, you know, some rewards. So I finally heeded that message and decided to invest in myself and start my company, the Audacity Firm, and my business as a motivational speaker.
Awesome. And I think a lot of times when people, when they get that, that, in, that, that urge, like, you know what, I think there's something more. Some people just, they just don't know how to react to it because they don't know that feeling and like, all right, I know something, there's another power out here that's pulling me. Um, why do you think people get stuck in, in making that decision? And talk to us about, you know, what, what, what was that process like for you once you got that aha home? You're like, okay, you know, outside of just, I understand the, uh, the, the role and some of the, the reorgs, but you already had that. You already started that process. So what was kind of just outside of the reorg? Was there something else that made you be like, okay, were there other signs that you saw that maybe I can do this work? Because usually it's uh, affirmation from, you know, people seeking you out to, to talk about things or, um, you know, your ability to connect with people. Was there anything else that helped provide you the signs that, you know what, I can do this? Um. Probably a, a couple of different things. So, you know, there was this inner confidence. So, you know, I can't tell you how many times I, as a little, you know, bald head chocolate boy, did I have a dream speeches, at, you know, in the, in the school assemblies, right? And uh, when I was, you know, at fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I had a starring role in the school play. I did performing arts and whatnot. So, um, you know, and in my roles in corporate, um, in, in talent management, college recruiting, uh, I did many presentations internally and externally. So being in front of an audience uh, wasn't something that scared me. Yes, you know, I, I get that for a lot of people, public speaking is one of their worst fears. Well, you know, thankfully for me, you know, I had that fear kind of, you know, uh, eradicated as a, as a young kid. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, being able to tap into some gifts that I already had that have been kind of laying dormant. Um, you know, certainly helped me. Um, I think I also benefited from um, just a, a confidence that, hey, I've been through some stuff. And I almost tell people, like, I feel arrogant enough to believe that there's somebody or somebodies that I am supposed to reach, right? Like, and so from there, it's me trying to, uh, you know, meet my sign. Right. There's someone that I am supposed to show up for. Um, that's an inherent belief, you know, that that I have. Um, and so that gives me, you know, that confidence to step out, especially when you're stepping out on something that isn't clear. Right. Like this is something that's completely new for me or, you know, was at the time. Like, you know, everything I had done up to that point was around, you know, a corporate hustle. Right. You go to job. Uh, excuse me, go to work every, you know, every day, every couple of weeks, you get a paycheck, you got some benefits, whatever, like, it's very defined, there's not much scary about it, you know what it is. You know, going the entrepreneurial route was a completely different app. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of, a lot of stuff that, you know, you see one step, you don't see the whole pathway. Um, and I get for a lot of people that can be very, very intimidating, can be very scary um, to step out um, on a path that you don't clearly see, to step out and go in a direction that is not laid out for you, um, where you have all type of uh, obstacles, including yourself, like you're, you're, you're doubting of yourself and your ability to actually create something of value, right? And is that going to resonate? Is that going to be successful? Um, it's a, a very difficult uh, task and endeavor. Um, I think that I've been fortunate um, to, you know, to be successful at it thus far. Uh, 
but I don't take for granted how difficult um, a decision it is to completely change, you know, kind of like, you know, my DNA, so to speak, right? I went from uh, having this whole notion of security and, and, and comfort and safety to the exact opposite of that as an entrepreneur. Like there's nothing secure about, uh, about being an entrepreneur. And I think you mentioned uh, one thing you mentioned, you always see the first steps, but you don't know about those next 10. And I think part of, uh, I think that is a tribute to your successes. And I call it, you continue to chop wood. And it's really about how do you make sure you understand, enjoy the process, right? Because when people see success, they don't see the process. And if you take a, if you miss or skip a step, when you get to that, 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 that point, it won't be sustainable because you didn't build a foundation. So I thank you for sharing that around just, you see that first step, but it's really about how you chop wood along the way. So sustainability is built in. Now yeah. you're also doing coaching and you're doing uh, training as well. What kind of, uh, how do you cultivate and craft uh, different coaching and training sessions for your clients? What is that process like? Well, it starts with uh, an understanding of what their needs are, right? Uh, Resilience um, is a universal need, right? And I think of it more as a continuum, right? So it's not a binary off or on, you have resilience or you don't. Think of it more as a continuum and a scale, right? You can be more or less resilient depending on the circumstances. Um, and so for, you know, what I try to do with clients is, you know, let's understand what your, you know, basic fundamental needs are. And typically, you know, individuals are coming to me because there's some sort of problem that they need solved. Um, whether it's a nonprofit organization, a government agency, a for-profit business, um, individuals, right? They, there's a specific need uh, that they have, some problem that they have. And, if, and usually that's born out of some sort of adversity, some sort of negative change. Um, and, you know, again, a big piece of what I do is around helping people adapt to that negative change and then recover from it as quickly as possible. Like, so that's my, my definition of resilience is the capacity, the ability to adapt to that negative change and then to be able to recover from it as quickly as possible. So understanding what those needs are um, so that we can then chart the appropriate path uh, to uh, away from whatever the that uh, negative change. And, and, and that's a great point. And as we talk about resilience, a lot of people don't understand what that truly means. And as you have your workshop around the power of resilience, you know, as you, how would you define that for people? So they understand when they, when they are thinking about how to be resilient, what does that mean? Break that down for us. And I, I know some of your workshops in, in your workshop, you have like eight step, maybe give us one or two nuggets from that, where as we think about how we need to continue to be resilient for ourselves. What is, tell us more about what that is. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're all going to experience some delta between what it is that we want and what it is that life gives us. Resilience is how we handle that gap, how we handle that delta. Um, and it's ultimately what we tell ourselves about what happens to us. So, you know, one of my favorite lines uh, from a resilience standpoint is, we're as resilient as we think we are. So 
And, and what that means is, you know, what we tell ourselves, what we, um, you know, the messages that we give ourselves will have huge implications on where our story goes from there. Um, and so it's oftentimes not necessarily the event that, ha that has happened to us. It's what we tell ourselves in the aftermath of that event. Um, the, the messages that we give ourselves, the cues that we give ourselves, because that's going to impact the thoughts, the feelings, and then ultimately the actions that we're going to take as a result, right? So at our core, if we want to be more resilient, we have to be able to harness our mind and the most powerful resource that we have, which is uh, our thinking. Yeah, mindset is key, key. And you talk about building it and, and building unbreakable spirits. And, mm -hmm. you know, share more about that concept, because I think mindset is something you definitely have to continue to work on. It's almost like anything else that you're working out. You got to continue to build that muscle memory. So tell us a little bit about tell us more about building unbreakable spirits and what that concept means. Yeah. So for me, um, it's it's a mindset. Right. I try to go into every situation thinking and feeling and believing that I can get through it, right? Certainly there are going to be situations and there have been situations that have tested um, and made me feel like I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But I start with a baseline that there's nothing that I can experience that is going to break, right? And a large part of that is because I have significant experience in trauma, right? So I grew up in uh, housing projects. My mom had a drug addiction, um, you know, and, uh, you know, she went to jail for the same uh, disease of addiction that today's opioid users receive compassion and treatment for, right? And that infuriates me sometimes. Uh, my father was murdered while he was in prison. Um, I lived in a dope house at one point. Right. And watch from like maybe 20 feet away. Somebody come through our project apartment shooting at somebody and watching, you know, people escape through, you know, breaking through a window. Um, I've, you know, heard the, the sirens whiz by, uh, you know, in the night come screeching at my door. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've been through and I've lived through some like really tough, really traumatic, really adverse situations. And that I am, you know, still standing, that I am still flourishing is a testament that like, look, your your spirit is unbreakable. Like you can't, you've overcome so much up to this point. Yes, it sucked. Yes, it was terrible. No one should have to go through that. But you can get through, if you can get through that, you can get through uh, whatever else that life is going to, uh, to, to throw at you. And, you know, it's crazy because at times, like I feel like, I am tempting God when I say that. He's like, oh, okay, you're unbreakable, huh? Let me throw this at you and see how you, see how you roll. Um, but, you know, for me and, you know, one of the, 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 the principles I talk about uh, in, in resilience is the concept of preparation. Um, a part of my preparation is to remind myself that, look, you, you, you've been through so much uh, more already that, you know, whatever is to come, you know, it can't break you either. Have that mindset going into it. And then, you know, you adapt as whatever it is comes your way. And you, and you talk, and maybe to, to touch on that, because um, I'm always curious, as someone that helps others build resilience, build resilience, and 
what what do you do in terms of yourself to continue to practice and being resilient for yourself? Because sometimes when you're helping others, you I think you can't you have a phrase secure your mask first, right? So what do you do to, to to continue to put your mask on first and ensuring that you also have to be resilient? Because you know we got COVID, you got things that's changing in your life, you have shifts that's happening. What do you continue to do to help practice this for yourself? Man, you know what's crazy is you know the past like few weeks have been really really tough for me, like you know on a, a personal level. Um, just the other day, I got into a car accident. Um, my fault, right? Something that I know better. Um, and I totaled my car. Um, and you know, I have the money to buy another car. I have, you know, I, I'm in a good space in a good place financially. Right. So it's not the end of the world, but I have been beating myself up over the past few weeks over just really bad decisions that I've made. Um, and so, you know, you ask like, you know, how do I, you know, secure my mask first? It's like, I have to remind myself of the exact same principles that I teach other people about. Um, so that's a piece of it. And one of those principles, you know, I talked about, you know, the concept of, um, you know, per perspective. Uh, one of the other ones is the concept of partnership, right? So. I've had to rely heavily on other people to pour into me to, and, and that's what, that's why that, uh, that principle of partnership is so important because oftentimes or sometimes um, our own resilience will be wavering, right? It, it may not be as um, sturdy um, as we need it to be. And we need those other people around us to provide what I like to call an emotional safety net to keep us from, you know, destruction should we fall off that high wire. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, my my friends have been instrumental in helping to pour into me, to help me to see, hey, here's a thinking trap that's harming you, right? You're not giving yourself grace. You're expecting perfection um, instead of just excellence, right? And there's a difference between the two. Um, and so having individuals around me who can remind me of, you know, why I'm here, of, you know, what am I, you know, potentially doing wrong uh, to get me out of my own, you know, thinking traps, you know, and, and those people can be, you know, are my friends, they're my therapists, uh, you know, my, my family, uh, you know, individuals who, you know, who I trust, who can, you know, rally around me because, you know, there are times where I'm going to give myself messages that I don't need to hear, right? And they're there to, you know, if I fail to commandeer those messages, I have people around me who can, uh, you know, who can help pour into me and make sure that I'm straight. Awesome. And that, that support system is so important and to be able to have. And I think it's important for, you know, as people hear you as you're the expert that you also have to continue to practice this. It's almost like where do where do therapists go for therapy, right? You know, and how do they continue to help build themselves? Because this it's always a process and we're always going through things. And, you know, as we've been in COVID, obviously we've had to be resilient just through this entire process over the last nine to 10 months or so. And 
as you think about just your business, what are the adjustments you've made in terms of COVID and how you've had to adjust and shift? Because when speaking engagements, you are, you know, in some cases you you need an audience, right? And so how, what kind of shifts and uh, changes have you made since we've moved into this COVID environment? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much taking a business completely virtual, 100% virtual. Um, you know, to the point you were just uh, observing, yeah, the, the core of what I do has been public speaking, speaking to audiences. Well, that's the exact wrong thing to be doing in a, uh, in a pandemic. Uh, we have a public health crisis. Um, so it's shifting uh, that business and that service model to 100% virtual. Um, and certainly there are some differences, but there are also some, you know, some positives as a, a as it relates to that as well. Um, it increases the audience uh, size that you have available to you. Um, you certainly have to be a little bit different about how you engage with, uh, you know, with your audience and with your clients. Um, but it's for every uh, negative that is provided, it's also provided some really uh, sharp opportunities to uh, to enhance the service delivery and the scope of, uh, of people available to you. Got it. And you mentioned uh, with some of the public speaking and one of the, one of the questions, one of the things I did want to ask you, because, you know, you hear a lot of people say, I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to do speaking engagements. And, and, and the process is not that simple, as you can attest to. It's not just you getting up there and you start talking. Right. And you've done TEDx, you've done multiple speaking engagements. And like most things, when did you when did you know that when was that moment you felt that all right, it's all coming together as a speaker that you're kind of in that zone and to go on the golden state phrase, it's like you still it's clicking like golden state, right? When did when did that moment happen for you when you was like, all right, it's coming together. I'm, I'm, I feel like this is who I am and I can be successful. When was that moment? Honestly, the TED talk. Okay. Uh because there's like a whole, you know, backstory um, to it. Um, I found out that they had invited me to audition in the middle of a health crisis. Um, I had uh, an emergency surgery and while I'm laid up in the hospital, uh, they happened to send the message saying, hey, we'd like you to come audition after reviewing my application. When uh, applied, uh, I said we did the audition, um, audition went well, and they invited me to be a finalist. So this was like May. Um, and so typically the way that the process worked with TEDx Charlotte is between May and September, you're pretty much, you know, to your own writing, preparing, uh, you know, your talk. And then in September, they offered uh, coaches. So I go to my first uh, coaching session in September for an October, late October event. And, you know, I talk about, hey, it's, you know, here's my talk. It's like 18 minutes. It's kind of long. It's kind of, and looking back on it. Um, you know, it was kind of uh, lecturing, uh, not necessarily an engaging talk. Um, and they're like, yeah, it's nice or whatever. But and this is my interpretation. They're like, yeah, no, that's 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 not quite it. Um, but they gave me some constructive feedback, you know, things that, you know, could change, be different or whatever. Um, and I was kind of stuck, honestly. Like I had spent, you know, four, three, four months or so kind of getting to this point and then for them to be like, yeah, not quite. Um, and they gave me some, you know, some pointers some things to change or whatever. And I just felt really confined and restricted. And so from mid-September until maybe the first week of August, 
I was just like paralyzed. I, I didn't know what to give them. I didn't know what direction to go, what happened. Um, and like I said, I felt really confined and restricted. Um, and then I just kind of had this real subtle shift in my thinking. Um, and the analogy I use is, uh, you know, I was thinking about how, uh, you know, you go to any, let's say Yankee Stadium, right? Yankee Stadium is enclosed, right? There's the actual stadium, then you got the fence and, and everything. But if you're standing on second base, actually, there's a whole bunch of space in which to work. So it's confined. Yes. Right. There are some boundaries around it, but you still got a lot of space to be creative and to move around and what have you. And so, you know, I started to kind of take that approach with my TED talk and, you know, I kept maybe 30, 40 percent of uh, what I had started with because there was some good foundational stuff there but completely shifted and rejiggered the, uh, you know, the core of it and what was driving it. Um, and I did that literally in like three weeks, right? Maybe two and a half, two and a half to three weeks, completely rewrote and, you know, uh, you know memorized and practiced and, you know, really went hard for that three weeks. And that three weeks is the result that you know folks can see if they go to uh you know to youtube and you know put in what trauma taught me about resilience put in my name charles hunt that's the that's the result of me like really really you know dedicating myself to it of me uh pouring out an authenticity um and being able to harness the tools and the experiences um and the message that i have and actually showing up and performing and meeting the moment, right? So for me, that's probably one of, yeah, I've done some larger crowds um, since. Um, I've had a chance to, you know, talk to people one-on-one and, and, and provide some really inspirational uh, moments. But for me, uh, you know, that moment um, to actually show up when it mattered um, and to, you know, to have something that I'm actually proud of, that, that was definitely, you know, the moment where I'm like, all right, you, you know what you're doing on this. Nice. And, and I, and I think it was a well done talk, you know, as, you know, as a TED, as I consume a lot of TED talks, you know, I think yours was truly engaging. And, you know, for me, as I took away from it is you just never really know what people went through. We always see that finished product, but we don't see how they chop wood along the way. And so, um, I love I love the fact that one you were you had you were comfortable and vulnerable right because a lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable and I think doing it on that stage was just a testament to just your confidence and but your journey as well and you know I I, I had no idea and as, as long as we've known each other I had no idea that that part of your story and it made me think I need to ask more questions of my friends you know and yeah. and so what I do appreciate just your journey and kind of and seeing where where you are now and i love the fact that you kept it authentic of who you are you know you're a sneakerhead kind of like myself and i'm like he he didn't change who he was right he represented the j1 culture and you know and really being him his him true self his true self and i, I really do appreciate that and i think the talk was excellent and, and well done thank you man and you know what that was purposeful right like so you know at the end of my talk um, you know, I was, you know, I noted that I was trying to figure out who I was talking to and ultimately realized that I was talking to, you know, the adolescent version of me, the college version of me, the professional version of me. 
but also noting that, hey, I might be speaking to the adolescent version of somebody else, right? And so I really wanted to make sure that any other child who found themselves in childhood trauma, who found themselves in poverty, who found themselves in some situation of neglect or you know any type of adversity could see themselves in me. I wanted them to be able to, um, to envision themselves surpassing what I was able to accomplish, to see that, okay, here's somebody who had, you know, some parental uh, problems as well, who had some financial problems, who had all of these different types of adversities, but hey, he looks like me. He wears sneakers like me. He wears J's like me. He don't fit it on like me. If he can do it, then I can as well. So it was very, I mean, on top of it being, that's just, you know, who I am. Right. But it was also very deliberate in trying to message send to any youth who sees this uh, that, hey, your greater days are ahead as well. It's going to be some, you know, a lot of hard work. Um, it's not necessarily going to be an easy path, but your days uh, can get here just like like mine. Did. Absolutely. So as we, we we're about to wrap up the year, I can't believe it's December. It's about to be Christmas. Um, it's been a long 2020. So 21, 2021, what, what, are, what are some of the big bets that you can share or projects or initiatives that you have coming up in the next year that you're working on that you um, would like to share or can share? Yeah, so the two biggest ones are uh, writing a, a book, um, the same title of my TED Talk, which I'm talking about resilience. Um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this. But writing is such a um, difficult endeavor. Like a lot of people can write, but writing well um, and to write something that's actually engaging um, and helpful and insightful. Uh, you know, that's that's a tough thing. And it's a big undertaking for me. So it's been something that's uh, something that's in the works for a while. Um, continuing to try to uh, plug away on that. Um, but the um, you know other big piece of that for me, aside from you know what I'm doing with my my speaking business, is um, building out uh, my Clear uh, Resilience platform. And Clear Resilience stands for Career, Life, Economic, Academic, and uh, Racial Resilience. And so it's um, how we can build resilience in each of those uh, specific areas. Um, and it's for uh, for individuals as well as organizations as well. So very excited about uh, both of those two two very big uh, projects and endeavors, yeah. uh, but projects and endeavors that I think will ultimately be uh, helpful uh, for for people. Very good. And I and I think uh, and I was going to ask. I'm like, when is the book coming? So I'm glad you mentioned that. And so I'm glad to hear. I'm looking forward to writing the stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so a speaker, author, Charles Hunt. So yes. very, very good, very good. Yes, so, <laughs> looking forward to it. So, as we close out, and uh, I usually try, I'll, I like to leave my audience three things before we go. If they didn't get anything from this podcast today, or these are the three things that you would like to leave them with for them to think about as just nuggets, insight, words of wisdom. What are those three things you want to leave us with before we wrap up? The first one is um, get your mind right, right? Like the, our resilience is directly uh, tied to our ability to think better 
um, and uh, give ourselves, um, you know, the, the appropriate messages for the situation. Um, and, you know, again, I'm speaking to myself, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned this, right? How do you get your mind together get your, and give yourself uh, the, the, the right messages for the situation uh, and the circumstances uh, that you face? Um, the next one I would say is, you know, understanding that again, your resilience is not a finite thing. It's, it's not a binary thing. It's not an on or off thing. It's something that you have to continue to cultivate. Um, you know, we can be more or less resilient depending on, you know, the, the cadence, right? So how quick is this adversity coming up upon the previous, uh, the previous one? Um, the duration of it, like, so how long does it last? Like, is it, you know, a one-time instance? Or is this something that's like a repetitive thing? Or even the intensity of it, right? Like, so how hurtful, how impactful is a given thing? Um, you know, all of those things are going to impact our resilience. But, um, you know, we have the capabilities, we have the, uh, the power uh, to be able to weather all of those different things. Um, just in how we tell our, you know, how and what we tell uh, ourselves about those situations. Um, and, you know, the last one I would say is, while life can certainly be very, very tough, life can be challenging, um, you know, either because of just how life is, the bad luck truck making deliveries from time to time, or self, uh, self-inflicted. self uh, You know, life is tough, but we're tougher, right? It's a constant, consistent reminder that, uh, you know, we can get past, you know, whatever it is that we face. We have the tools, we have the, uh, the, the, the partnership around us. We have the, you know, put the proper perspective uh, in place and how we regard and how we look at um, the, the situations that we face. We have the ability to prepare ourselves for adversity. We can't prepare for everything, but we can certainly be ready for something. We have the opportunities to plan, right? And you know, a well-timed uh, plan and a well-done plan serves our resilience in two ways. One, it can be an escape from whatever adversity we face, but a well-done plan will also prevent us from encountering can uh, prevent us from encountering that adversity in the first place. It's recognizing that we have power, right? We have the power and the ability to change our circumstances. We have the power to um, make a better life, to make better decisions, to get ourselves to a better place uh, than where we are. Uh, the importance of just persevering. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it just is absolutely terrible. And we have to go through it, right? Because right. whatever that hell is that we currently find ourselves in, it's not our permanent home. Right. So we've got to find a way to keep moving, to keep going and get through. Um, one of the other really big pieces for me is knowing that there's a purpose in the adversity that I encounter. Right. So, you know, me getting up on that TED stage. Um, yes, I was helping other people, but it also helped me. Right. Me being able to use all of that muck, all of that nastiness and that dirtiness. Um, in service of other people actually helps me as well, right? Because now it's not just some um, terrible stuff that happened to me, 
It's like, no, it happened to me so that I can be in service of other people and in service of myself, right? Like it's ironic um, in many, uh, many respects that, you know, the thing that hurt me the most is the thing that actually sustains me, right? There's a bit of poetic justice, um, you know, in that. Now, you know, granted, I would trade it all for, you know, my parents back and a healthy childhood and all that stuff, but, you know, I got what I got. And so, you know, to be able to take those negative things and find purpose in them um, is helpful, again, not just for, for others, but also for me as well. Awesome. And I love that. And thank you for sharing those three things. I think uh, I'm fired up now. So I, I think those are very key, uh, particularly the service to others. I always say we're, we're not here for ourselves. At a certain point, we're here to be a tool for other people to help yeah. and be in that service of other people. So I love the fact that you said that, because I think that is uh, a key, particularly for us that's, that's been able to get through that process. And, and get to the other side, we have to be the tool to bring others along. And I always say, you have to be be who you needed when you were younger. So that way you can know how to reach back and help those. So thank you for sharing those three things. So tell us tell us where to find you, your social medias, your website. How can we get in touch with you? Give us your information. Yeah, you can find me at uh, audacityfirm.com. Um, on Twitter, you can find me at the Audacity Firm. And also my personal at Chizarone, C-H-I-Z-A-R-O-N-E. Um, would uh, welcome uh, your contacts. Um, again, you can see uh, find my TED Talk on YouTube and what trauma taught me about resilience. Um, if you're ever interested in uh, contacting or working with me, hit my website and there's a contact form. Uh, would uh, would love to work with you and see how I can help bring uh resilience to uh to your organization and to your uh your clients nice so as we wrap up charles i just want to thank you for joining us today uh really love the discussion and talking with you and, and hearing about the work that you're doing and and helping people get through and understand how they can be more resilient and then under, and then also thank you for sharing how you continue to practices for yourself for my audience um as you tune in i hope you enjoyed this episode We'll make sure that you get Charles's information and, and his contact for the Audacity Firm and also being able to check out some of his work, um, his TED Talk. And, and if you if you need someone to help and coach you through resilient, being resilient, you know, let's make sure you, you get a chance to reach out to Charles and we'll make sure you have his information. So as we wrap up, Charles, I want to thank you for joining us. And for everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you. My man.